Kepalabashada to heed instructions, uh, to learn for our stake. We cry out, O God, like the leper. We cry out, O God. Jesus, not passed us by. Oh, Kabada Bashadai. Ah, Labakakata. Oh, Sedidibosa. You can bridge time and space. Ah, Bakata. Peradventure, God. If we are still in 2017, are we somewhere behind your timeline, oh God? Oh, if we like pull a man outside of time. Eh, Kadabasha. Align our chronos with your Kairos. Manda Kabala Brakatos Kapandesh Kataya. Zabrande kalabrakatosa ikadaba shanda dadaba alababa we divert all the glory unto you oh god all the glory belongs to you hey mandes kapa oh yedabash kapai randes kalibrokoto bandes kata all the glory belongs to you jadaba kadaba sedaba shete rande kadababa mande keta papandosh ka ikaila Brakatosa, Mande Shakata, all the glory belongs to you. Manda Kadaba Shedebosa, Rakata Baba, Mande Kakosko Papa, will not go into 2023. Leba Shande, holding on to anything that belongs to your God. Lebrakata Basitai, oh Sekete, what you have given us, we will give back unto you. Rabande Katapakatai, like the manna from heaven. Oh God, that spoiled Eka who tried to hold it. The Israelites tried to hold it. Ah, uh, but this is the bread of life. This is the eternal bread of life. Ah, uh, your glory, your Shekinah. Makadabasa. Oh, we will not hold on to your glory. Rande Kadabase Kotosa. Manda Yedabashatando Kotai. Rate Lebrous. Makababa Bande Ikandoska Papanda Kalabrakato. Tonda Kotaya, Jeketete, Rada Basketai, Roko Papande Kedebasala Brakatai, Rondoska Ikala Brakatai, Makandoska Papa Papa, Rada Bakala Brakata, Manda Kadabaska Papa, Roko Mande Kadaba, Rakadababa. How can we ascend the hill of the Lord, Lord? E Kadababa with things outstanding. O Shadabakatai, Rakatapa, we may be citizens of Zion. Makapapa, we may be hidden Christ. We may be blessed with every spiritual blessing in heaven places. Ah, say God about that can also be a double-edged sword. Manda Kadaba Shataya. Rakadababa Oroko we will not e kalababa labrakata will not e kadababa hold your glory ah we'll give it all unto you ah as it is in heaven as it is on earth oh god as the four and twenty elders bow down and cast a crown lord we bow we proskineo rabasha we say oh god what is man ah labashkapa that you are mindful of him Ah, what is Solomon that you visit him? Oh, Kabbalah Basha. 
bring us oh god reconcile our time reconcile our window of time correctly reconfigured oh god let you do your work do your work oh lord only you can do only you can do oh god only you can do the spirit of the living God. Oh, Sabrande Kados Kapaya, Makada Basheda Bosa, Rakados Kapande Yadabashanda, the spirit of the living God. Alababa light upon us, oh God. Ye Kalaba visit us, visit us, visit us wherever we are, oh God. Ah, Shakapa, oh Makata is remaining seven days, oh God. Rakata let the expression of your spirit build upon the day before let us see dimensions of your light Rekede basila brakato, makados kapai, o sababande kadabasiribosa, rakando shadai, ila brakatoza, mande sabrakatoza, ila bradabash kapando koto. Oh, we glorify you, God, we glorify you. Spirit of living God, we give you thanks. Spirit of revelation, we give you thanks. Makabasabrakata, O spirit of prophecy never early never late we give you thanks the spirit brings us to a higher order we give you thanks we thank you oh god for aligning us once more where we may be unaligned with your timeline oh god our your kairos madabashkata sharpen your arrow place us in your quiver oh sabrakadaba sekandoshkatai rakadaba sekata rakabababa oh sabrande kadabasha rakabando sababa oh rekandoshka ikalaba sedababa oh rapa sharpen your arrows oh god place us in your quiver use our tongues like the pen of a ready writer
we give you glory we give you glory God we give you glory we took the keys down just a little bit we honor you we bless your name we bless your name we give you glory we bless your name Alego batilevru non Thank you for how far you have brought us, Lord. This year and on this journey these last three days. Thank you for where you are taking us to. We acknowledge you. We acknowledge you. Seturina vakuria vatane masikata vatila bahada. And tonight we say that it is your throne that we come to. It is unto you that the gathering of this people is to. So have your way amongst us. Accomplish your plan within us. Take all the glory, for it belongs to you. Take all the glory, for it belongs to you. One more time, Lord, we say to you be all glory for it belongs to you tonight as we come into your presence and we open your word let your agenda proceed unfettered let your counsel stand let your might be proven let your goodness be on display let your people be of no doubt that the God that answers by fire, that that God is our God. And so in advance, we give you thanks and we give you praise. Because your credit is good with us. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. In the precious name of Jesus. Now, around the world, wherever you are, somebody clap your hands, oh, you people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. We lift your name on high. Hallelujah, hallelujah, and hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, wherever you are around the world, grab a seat. Let us get straight to the business 
of the word of the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Let somebody know that we're live and we're about to take off. Hallelujah. All right. In the interest of full disclosure, I just want to um, I just want to address something real quick. Just get it off my off my spirit. Um, thank you. Off my spirit. Now, it's been an interesting few weeks. Um, it began with the final day of the summit. Uh, thank you. Just get the yeah. The final day of the summit. Um, I looked. What's the going final on? Day of the I looked at my phone about an hour before we were done, and it was completely fine. Thank you. And then we finished, and I picked up the same device, and for some reason, there was a huge crack on my screen. And so what that meant was my phone screen was gone, and it's not a cheap phone. It's a phone for which the screen itself would buy another phone or some phones. A couple of weeks later, about a week and a half later, um, one of the devices, in, thank you, sir, devices in our house worth several hundreds of pounds. I won't bore you with the details. Something happened to it. Uh, and then that too meant that it was useless and needed to be replaced. And then today, on my way driving in to the embassy, uh, my car tire just got completely destroyed. That's why uh, I literally walked in a few minutes late uh, while the prayers were going on because I had to drive at a ridiculous speed just to get here. Uh, I called my breakdown service and for some reason, one, they couldn't get to me. Secondly, even if they had been able to get to me, it would have taken them about 19 minutes or so. I would have missed the night. And I said, Lord, you know what? Eventually, I thought to myself, if it means that I get here with my car completely wrecked and my car wheel completely broken, something is going on in the realm of the spirit and the enemy will not prevail. Can I get a witness, somebody? Uh, somebody who knows how to discern when there is an agenda of hell. And I must confess, thank you, for about five minutes. Can you get some steam here, Matt? Thank you. Just a little bit, not too much like the last time. Uh, I must confess that for about five minutes or so, you know, there's this temptation to feel sorry for yourself. And then I began to put the, the dots together. I said, hold on a second. Something is happening here. Uh, uh, and, and I'm sharing this because I don't know how many of you are listening to me tonight who can relate with the same understanding that something is happening here. There are seasons of your life where it behooves you to pay attention to certain patterns and rather than stew over individual circumstances to understand that there is a larger agenda at play. Did you hear me somebody? I said there are seasons of your life where rather than go, oh, poor me, what's going on? You need to step back and say, what is going on here? Why are, and oh, by the way, I forgot to mention that one tire on that car is again, several hundreds of pounds. And so there is obviously a trajectory of hell. And I'm saying that for two reasons. One, like I said, in case somebody's listening to me who has failed to spot a pattern in the last few weeks, 
uh, of a, or maybe months or years of satanic agenda in your life and maybe you're too busy crying and stewing about individual calamities to see that there is a trajectory that must be arrested but secondarily as i sat down in that car for a few minutes thinking one i'm halfway between home and the office how am i going to get there what's going to happen for tonight oh boy this tire needs replacing repairing it's going to be this amount of money and all that as i sat there the response in my spirit was give god glory somebody say give god glory as we heard yesterday and as we also heard one of the ways you give god glory is by thanksgiving and so i began to thank god uh, because you need a car to have your tire go amen secondly i began to say god thank you that this didn't happen and by the way i was driving about 50 miles an hour when the tire went and for some reason the car didn't skid it didn't it didn't spin it was in the snow amen it's a zero chill uh here in the united kingdom it's okay i'll just i'll just take it as it is uh and and for some reason the car it's okay just bring it quickly quickly thank you uh for some reason the car didn't go through any kind of dangerous uh, motion the third thing i was thankful to god for was that my family could have been in that car and when i say my family in the car i mean my family could have been in the car on their own it could have been my wife it could be my children who are stuck somewhere of that nature and as I began to give God thanks and praise, a perspective began to form. And it was in the middle of that thanksgiving and that refusal to surrender to the frustration of the scenario that the understanding hit me and said, hold on a second, there's a trajectory here. This is why the Bible says that it is the will of God in all things. Just take the volume on this up just a little bit, Tony, thank you. It is the will of God in all things that we give him thanks. So you know what I just figured out? What you're looking for is in that bag. In that bag. <laughs> no, what? this one here. Thank you. Um, thank you. It just occurred to me. So like I was saying, the Bible says that it is the will of God in all things that we give thanks. And one of the things that thanksgiving will do is establish perspective. Somebody say perspective. Uh, it will establish perspective from which you can wage effective warfare. And so I want to take two minutes tonight, wherever you are around the world, before we go into the word of the Lord, just lift up your voice and begin to thank the Lord. Come on, open your mouth, somebody with me. Begin to thank him for your year, January, February, March, April, May. I just need this up a little bit, sir. January, March, February, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September. The level in the house. And begin to thank him for everything that he has done. And everything that he has been. Thank him for the good. Thank him for the bad. Thank him for seeming calamity. Thank him for frustrations or situations that brought frustration. Thank him that you are alive. Oh, come on, open your mouth and take the keys up a bit. Thank him that you are in your right mind. That despite hell's agenda, it is the will of the Lord concerning your life that has prevailed father we give you thanks we bless you as that one leper we return to say thank you thank you god
Thank you. Thank you for leading us out and in. For if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. As they say in my mother's language. The enemy would have had his way with me. But your mercy stood in the way. I give you praise. And I give you thanks. In the precious name of Jesus we say amen and amen and amen one more time put those hands together for a worthy god thank you and it's heated just a little bit thank you so sorry to keep disturbing you and a little bit more of that in it as well all right get your bibles out tonight uh, that, that's dangerous it could pull on that all righty so get your bibles out tonight we're going back to isaiah 58 we just put the keys down completely That'll be great. Now, Isaiah 50, let's go to the word of the Lord tonight because I must confess tonight I, I am on one. I have a vendetta against the enemy. I am going to be petty, Tony. I'm going to be petty tonight because Satan will rue the day he decided to train his, his visors on me and mine. Open your Bible tonight. Let's go straight to the word of the Lord and then we will prosecute a campaign of divine vengeance. Somebody say amen. Amen. Isaiah, Isaiah 58. Thank you, Lord. And so we began this on, on Wednesday. No, today's Wednesday. On Monday. Uh, and then yesterday night, uh, Pastor Fuller. By the way, were you blessed by Pastor Fuller yesterday? Yes, sir. If you were, give the Lord a round of praise wherever you are. Uh, and I just, you know, I, I, one of the things that God has been amazing is to bless me with amazing people and relationships. And I am so glad, uh, the next guest minister that you will be enjoying the ministry of on Friday will be apostle Femi Adun all the way from Arizona in the United States of America. On Saturday, we will be graced by the ministry of Reverend Celia Appiah J. Collins. Uh, and then Monday and Tuesday, uh, my brother, Reverend Austin Ukbore, will be ministering to us. And then finally, on Tuesday and Wednesday, live in this studio, we will have the ministry of Reverend Gideon Odoma. And so tomorrow is my last night at this pulpit, and I am excited. I'm excited to see what God has in store for us and through us. And so mark those diary dates, get ready for a move of God and come hungry and expectant. And so I began with Isaiah 58 on Monday. Uh, Reverend uh, Pastor Fuller took us on a journey yesterday and actually, before I go to Isaiah 58, I want to address something that is a fallout. Thank you, Tony. I need that. Thank you so much. That is a fallout of something Pastor Fuller touched yesterday. Uh, I didn't have the time and I didn't want to dilute the impact of what he brought. And so I decided to leave it for today. Give me just a tiny bit more of that for what he brought. Uh, so I thought to leave it for today. Now, there are three steps in my understanding of maturity in the natural life of a man. I mean, 
Yeah, the, Tony, the green stuff, not the heat, just the green stuff, yeah. Okay. There is the stage of dependence. There is the stage of independence. And then there is a final stage called interdependence. And, and by the way, this is not my model. I don't know who birthed it, but I heard it for the first time uh, from Reverend Funke Ewosho, uh, a mother in Zion concerning my life and that of my wife. And I heard her say this in 2000 and, uh, I want to say 2009 or thereabouts. She said, and I, I, I took it to heart, that every child, every human being goes through stages, three stages of, of maturity. That there is the stage of dependence, meaning you need someone to do something for you. You are dependent on other people for your survival, for food, for shelter, for your nappy being changed, for your fees being paid to go to school, for protection, for, for everything. Thank you, sir. And then you move to a stage called independence. And, and when I heard her say it, I thought, snap, that's not, I said, if there's three stages and the second stage is independence, what could be better than independence, right, Tony? It didn't make sense to me. I thought I would have assumed that independence was the final stage of maturity. But of course, independence means where you figure out that you, or you get to a place where you can do things by yourself. I no longer need you to change my nappy. In fact, I don't have a nappy to change. I can drive myself. I can pay my own bills. I can protect myself to some degree. And then she said, and I got it the moment she said it, at the last stage is the stage called interdependence. In essence, you mature from, I need you for everything, to I don't need you for anything, to I understand that there are areas in which I need you and areas in which I can handle stuff myself. In essence, the stage beyond independence, she said, was interdependence which is the stage of you and I need each other. It's a social maturity. It is, I am not alone in the world. The world doesn't rise and set on my backside. I am part of a collective of humanity and we need each other to both fulfill our potential. Well, Yes, Pastor Falathias, yes, sir, in everything, in everything, not for, but in everything, we give thanks, yes, sir. And so, I took that to God years ago, and I came to the conclusion that there are also three stages of maturity in the spirit. Are you listening to me, somebody? That there are what? Three stages of maturity in the things of the spirit. And these three stages are analogous to the three stages I just described to you. Stage one is the stage of God can do everything. He is God. He is sovereign. I don't need to do anything. Are you hearing me, somebody? 
This is where most believers start from when they start to understand that this being we worship is an Elohim. It is the stage of what I call spiritual irresponsibility. All things are possible with God, right, Tony? But the baby Christian reads that as all things are possible for God. In essence, it is the stage that puts God in complete control. Y'all better talk to me tonight. It's quiet in the comment section. In complete control, Tony, of the affairs of my life. If God wants something for me, he'll do it. If God sees that I need something, he'll give it. In essence, God's omniscience or the omnipotence <coughs> becomes an excuse for my spiritual irresponsibility. And don't get me wrong, like for a normal child or natural child, there is a season of your walk with God where this is actually heaven's agenda. Where heaven is incentivized and in 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 the mindset of proving to you that god is indeed indeed omnipotent i call it the honeymoon phase you hear new christians talk about how they just had a need and they just asked and god boom I mean, you know everything's flowers and roses and you know they saw an angel today and the holy ghost tomorrow and a fairy the third <laughs> <clears throat> and God will go out of his way to, to insert himself in your affairs, to, to, to leave you in no doubt, Tony, that he is omnipotent and supernatural and that he loves you. The problem is, as it is with a natural child, that's not designed to last forever. Pastor Fala, if you're still there, sir, please let the people know if I'm telling the truth. That's not designed to last forever. You are not designed to sponge off your parents forever. A six-year-old saying, mommy, I'm hungry is cute. A 36-year-old saying, mommy, I'm hungry is ugly. <coughs> And so, as you begin to walk with God, He and the Holy Spirit will start to wean you off an over-dependence on the sovereignty of God. The dealings of God will start to be of a nature designed to work in you an understanding of responsibility. You then move to the scripture that says, all things are possible to him that believes. This is what I call the independence phase now. Where you suddenly realize, Tony, that the spirit realm, like I've been teaching you for two years, is precise. That there are buttons you can push 
to almost guarantee certain outcomes. You discover the beauty of prayer. Can I get a witness, somebody? You discover that the Bible says, call unto me and I will answer and show you great and mighty things. You discover Isaiah 45 where you realize that God says, ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the works of my hands command ye me and it becomes intoxicating tony to realize that i don't need to sit around and wait for god to do everything that there is a power and authority and energy a a a a a, a dimension of authority and there's a new creation reality that gives me the ability and the right to effect and transact certain things in the unseen realm. That I can lay hands on the sick, Tony, and they will recover. That I can address demons and they will go. That I can speak to atmospheres and they will shift. That I can build an altar. And by consistent application, I was, I, I, Pastor Fall, I was saying yesterday night about how he's, He's prayed more this year than, than any other year. And, and if you are in kingdom culture, you know that that applies to you too, right? <laughs> Can I get a witness, somebody? Talk to me now. You, you, you come to realize. You come to realize, Tony, that there is the ability to get stuff done in the realm of the spirit. To initiate. In fact, if you are not wise, you will figure out that the Bible says that the gifts and callings of God, Tony, are without repentance. And you will figure out very soon. See, if you haven't figured this out, you haven't lived long enough. Just keep walking with God long enough and you will get to a point, Tony, where... You figure out that you don't need to be in right standing with God to get results by God's power. That's a very dangerous place to come to. You realize, Tony, that God can be angry with you or indifferent to you. That you can be out of right standing with him and that because his gifts and calling are without repentance, that like Samson, you can finish your quiet time in the lap of a prostitute and then from that place proceed to lift up the gate of a city and take it away. If you haven't gotten there yet, keep walking with God. You'll get there. Are you listening to me, somebody? If you, if you walk with God long enough, Tony, you will reach the place where you need to intentionally make it a priority like Moses to say, I won't go if your presence doesn't go with me. Where God will say to you, or God can say to you, I'll send you an angel. He will win your battles. He will fight your wars. He will let, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Where you can grow in God to a point where you don't need him to accomplish certain things with his power mm. 
And sadly, this is where many people go to die in God. This is the end of many people's journey. They never get past the place of spiritual independence. They never graduate to step three. So Tony, you know what I discovered? There's a third step. It's called interdependence. This is where the Bible says with God. With. The third level of maturity, Tony, is to make room for the sovereignty of God in the dealings of new creation reality. And this is the most difficult part. And I must confess, even the preacher speaking to you has not graduated from this school yet. And I've been in it for years. I reached independence years ago. It's taken me far longer to graduate from class three than class one and two. Which is to understand, Tony, that the same God who gives you authority in the spirit realm reserves sovereignty. And that there are some matters upon which his sovereignty will trump your authority. Where God just says, for no reason but the fact that I am God, this is what I want. This is what the Bible talks about in Hebrews 11 when it says that there are heroes of faith who rejected salvation. Let's go there. Hebrews 11. Before we go back to Isaiah 58. Call me to Hebrews 11. Let, let, let me show you this. Let me show you this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Satan, oh, you picked the wrong guy. This is, you know, when songwriters say songs, write songs like, as long as I am breathing, I will always worship you. Yaman. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go to verse 35. Let's go to verse 35. Let's start from verse 32 first. Now, the writer of Hebrews, wherever he is, some say Paul, some say someone else, has given a rundown of what we call in theology the hall of faith. Someone say the hall of faith. The hall of faith, yes. In essence, the... The roll call of men and women who have demonstrated great capacity in God to accomplish certain things. What more shall I say? Now, this is the honorable mention. You know, when you have a top 10 list, then you say, well, these are the people who did not make the list. Okay? So he says, what more shall I say? Time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson. Now that's interesting. The Samson is in the hall of faith, but I digress. Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Now listen, these are their credentials, Tony. Who through faith subdued kingdoms. Listen, that's an act of independence. In essence, the ability to use faith to subdue kingdoms. That's category two. 
They wrought righteousness. That's category two. They obtained promises. Category two. They stopped the mouth of of lion. See, so who stopped the mouth of lions? Daniel or God? Who stopped the mouth of lions? Daniel or God? According to Hebrews chapter 11, who stopped the mouth of lions? It's on your screen. He didn't say God did. He said they subdued kingdoms. They wrought righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouth of lions. So according to the technical definition, Daniel stopped the mouth of the lion, correct? But when Daniel was going to tell the story to Darius, let's go there real quick. Let's go there real quick. Maria Tabatiada. Hey, you, you get where I'm going, right? Okay, giving God glory. The book of Daniel, chapter 6. Let's go there. Daniel, chapter 6. I want you to see this from Daniel's perspective. Daniel, chapter 6. So you know the story. The other princes of the kingdom are jealous of Daniel. They, they tell the king for 30 days... A whole month, a revolution of the moon, a cycle, stop this guy from praying so he can't plant the heavens anymore so we can step in and do what we want to do. And then they throw Daniel in the lion's den, right? Now, listen, in the morning, the king rose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of the lions. He cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. The king spoke and said, O Daniel, servant of the living God, pause. This is the second most powerful man in Babylon, Tony. And the king calls him servant of the living God. Now, are you aware the level of surrender and public acknowledgement of God's glory that Daniel must have walked in, that the king's reference to him is servant of the living God? He, 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 this is not something that is ascribed to a man who just walks around with the big Bible saying I'm a Christian. The, Nebuchadnezzar said, in you is the spirit of a holy God. Three kings later, Darius is saying, you are the servant. In essence, there is something about Daniel's life and disposition that... Mm, that diverted all the glory to God. And Tony, God can't get all the glory when you're in category two. Because when you're in category two, whether you like it or not, a huge amount of that glory will accrue to you. And if God loves you, he begins to deal with you to shift you from category two to three. It is an of mercy for God to in in to, 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 to educate you on the concept of his sovereignty even in the sphere of operation of your divine authority this is what we really call alignment alignment is not from category one to two alignment is taking you from category two to three meaning this um, immense amount of power and authority and ability that you now have access to can it be completely surrendered to and under the purview of god oh y'all ain't hearing me 
So Darius says, servant of the living God. He says, is thy God whom you serve able, listen, to... So Darius's question is not, Daniel, are you able to stop the mouth of the lion? His question is, is your God able to deliver you from the lions? Let's keep going. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. Listen, my God has sent his angels and has shut the lion's mouth. That they have not hurt me. For as much as before him, innocence, he was found in me. Now pause. Daniel says, God sent his angel. Right? Hebrews says it was the prophets, Daniel being one of the prophets, who stopped the mouths of lions. So which is it, Tony? Who stopped the mouth of the lion? So why does the book of Daniel, written by Daniel, by the way, in essence, the book of Daniel is Daniel's account. He wrote the book himself. This is a man who has dealt with God on the shift from authority to alignment. Daniel is saying, God stopped the mouth of the lion by his will through my operation. In essence, it is not everything that I have the authority to do in category three. That is heaven's agenda for me to do. And so when I accomplish any exploit of grace, I am aware that controlling the scales around my authority is his sovereignty. In essence, God made space in his sovereignty for me to exercise my kingdom authority. Are you following me? Let me repeat. God made space in his, in his sovereignty for me to exercise my authority. If God makes the space and I don't exercise it, nothing will happen. If I exercise it and God has not made the space, nothing will happen. In essence, in the days of my category two, what I did not realize was every time I took advantage of a kingdom principle and, and, and a kingdom transaction, every time I worked a miracle, every time I brought a healing or healing was wrought through my hands, every time I prayed and God answered, every time I cast out a devil, every time I did an exploit of faith, I now realize that my exercising of my kingdom authority 
and power was a prerequisite. In essence, if I did not move or act, nothing would happen. But the place I would have missed is on the other side of my acting was the sovereignty of God permitting my operation to find favor in the court of heaven. And when God wants to teach you this principle, Tony, there will be times where he will shut down heaven in response to your exercise of authority. He will allow you demonstrate or, or, or exercise your authority without the backing of his sovereignty to get your attention to see that this thing called the kingdom is not a mathematical equation. In essence, Tony, who sinned this man or his parents? Jesus didn't say, what nonsense are you talking? No, the equation is when a man is in that condition, sin is involved. Jesus was acknowledging the place of generational or personal sin in certain affairs. When Job's friends came and they said, you must have offended God, they, they, they were not pulling it out of their backside. That was the rule. So once in a while, God will introduce his sovereignty either by enforcing forcing it against you or withdrawing it from your favor so you can see that having met every single principle having lined up with scripture having done all to stand if god doesn't help you you won't stand does that make sense let's go back to to hebrews pastor wura good to see you ma'am by the way that's pastor Fuller's wife uh, amazing woman of God in her own right. My favorite, favorite, favorite part of that family. You know, Pastor, Pastor Fala, you know, you know I love you, sir, but Pastor Wura and I, we have our own little vibe going on. You know, um, she's just adopted me and I've adopted her back. Thank you so much, Pastor Wura. So it says they, they obtain promises. So all those ones, listen, all those ones are category one. They quench the violence of fire. Now look, see, Notice, wrought righteousness, Tony, is active. Obtained promises is active. Quench the violence of fire is active. In essence, these are acts of will and decision, exercising ability and capacity. The fifth one says, escaped the edge of the sword. Now, pause. How does a man who can stop the mouth of a lion and quench the violence of fire needs to escape something? This is the transition to category three. Tony, that with all, look at me, with all the anointing and glory on a man's life, there are matters he will have to escape. That God will tell Joseph, take my son, the Messiah of the world, and run away with him. Herod is coming.
Ahí hear me somebody. That there are matters where the sovereignty of God will not permit direct confrontation. Where the prescription in those matters is escape. Now, you know, I told you I'm... Thank God for grace and for years of walking with God. I am, I am far more compliant today than I was born. I, Tony, I was born to be a stubborn guy. I just, you know, when, we, when you get to heaven, you see that God has tried for me. There's a natural stubborn streak in me that only the Holy Spirit has tamed. And even that taming, I'm aware that beneath the surface of the work of, of recalibration that God has done in me is still a a streak of independence that I need to consist. So, so I may need to pray more than you, Tony, because my natural humanity is less disposed to submission to God than, than yours may be. Amen? So if you're like me, how many people like me in the comment section? Let me know that you are naturally stubborn. So the prescription for you is long prayer. People like us, we need to pray long. You know why? Because it takes long prayer to consistently bring our will under God's authority. Because we're too intelligent or too proactive for our own good. If you're like me, whenever you are in trouble, your first thought process is how you can fix things. Some other people are naturally gifted with the ability to be docile and feel insufficient. And so your first response is, Lord, help me. But if you're like me, this brain that God has gifted us with starts to go into overdrive. And I can do this and do that and fix this and fix that. And so it takes long hours and days and years of the sentence of prayer to bring yourself to the point where you know, okay, Lord, it's just you and me. And that stubborn streak has now, now that I can't demonstrate it in my actions, my, my only expression for that stubbornness these days is to question God about scripture. So I'm like, I, I, like God, come, this, this doesn't make sense. Why would you send the savior of the world into an environment and when his life is in danger you ask his father to take him and run what's the message think about that you, you think god could not have saved jesus another way that herod's men couldn't have come into that house and the moment they tried to come near jesus the, the glory of god would have broken out and they would all have been slain or just, I mean, the same God who killed a future Herod, like we heard yesterday, and slew him and worms ate him. Why couldn't he do that when this man was attacking his own son? Let's go deeper, Tony. Why allow Herod kill all those innocent children? Why? These are the questions that you can only answer when you have grown to understand the sovereignty of God. 
for no see what was Jesus was asked by his disciples who sinned on this man that he was born blind Jesus says nobody he then he, he could have stopped at nobody but like we heard yesterday he goes further to say this was allowed for the glory of God so Tony this thing called the glory of God is a dangerous thing is what I'm trying to get to it's a dangerous thing for God to decide that he can get glory from your life because he will not go about it in ways that match your understanding of new creation realities. In essence, God just makes up his mind that there is a manner in which glory can accrue to him from your life. And many times that manner will violate your expectation based on your understanding of how things should go. So if you have graduated into category two and you are so secure in your ability to pray, to fast, to, to, to break yokes, to move in God, if, if you are so confident in your new creation authority, you're not a candidate for God's glory many of the times. Because God will get glory in strange ways. Malia Kurabahati. Oh, Jesus. Are you hearing me, somebody? It's scary, isn't it, Tony? It should be. It should be. It could be at your perceived. You left out the word perceived. It could be at your perceived detriment. And when you begin to walk with God, Tony, when, when, when he begins to chisel you in your infancy he can't trust you with this in fact in your infancy you will just say well maybe god doesn't love me or doesn't like me or maybe god is not able so he feels a compulsion in essence in your infancy with god the priority is to prove to you beyond reasonable doubt the exceeding greatness of his power in your in your intermediate phase right it is to train you on how to use and administrate that exceeding greatness of his power. In your maturity, it is to temper your human hubris in that administration and remind you that there is one called worthy and that one is not you. That we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We did not choose him, he chose us. That he has a will, he has an agenda, and in, in time and even in eternity, our puny minds will never be able to comprehend the supremacy of that plan. And he does not owe us an explanation. All he owes us are instructions. He will not always give you an answer. He will trust in your ability to find alignment and peace that you are in his will and many times leave it there and many times tony you will find that sometimes it is years down the line it will make sense there are things today i look back and i say now i get what your will was 10 15 years later who am i talking to let's go back to hebrews I i'm going somewhere tonight i'm going somewhere tonight uh, I don't think we'll get to Isaiah 58. I'm going, maybe we'll do that tomorrow. Tomorrow is my last day. But, but anybody, can, 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 can you feel a pregnancy tonight in the spirit? 
See, if this is why I had my car, if this is why my tire blew at 50 miles an hour today, then listen, if this was what Satan was fighting, you want to listen. Because, for instance, Tony, the truth is, as I stand here, I don't know I'm getting home. Uh, but we'll deal with that when we finish. There's an assignment to this charge. This is, this is the missing piece of someone's destiny. He then says, escaped the edge of the sword. That is a passive exploit of faith. You don't escape something you could have overpowered. He didn't say resisted the edge of the sword. Monica camp meeting did come with a bang. He didn't say overpower or fought against the escaped so there are matters that are by heaven's decision out of your sovereignty you will escape so somebody so so for instance i was asking i said lord i prayed this morning i'm a man of faith how come this happened see many times the answer is simple to remind you that you are a man so that the glory in essence see, the Bible says we have this treasure in earthing vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and in essence there are things Tony God will engineer into your life that are designed to divert the glory from that life back to God. And this is why the millennial and Gen Z generations are making disastrous decisions in the areas of spiritual submission, authority, and covering. Tony, God will ask you to submit to an imperfect spiritual leader or a spiritual leader with issues innocent a man God, you with your gift god will ask you to submit to someone who doesn't seem as gifted as you and if you are blind you will not understand that that man or woman's condition is for god's glory Are you with me? In that there are men and women we look at and we see contradictions in their lives. And it is not because they sinned, like Jesus said to his disciples. It's not because they lack faith. It's not because they're not anointed or gifted. It is that God has trusted them to steward a contradiction for his glory. In essence, that when you look at them, you can't deny, if you have spiritual eyes, the pregnancy of God's glory on their lives. But the dichotomy in a particular area reminds you that they are just a human being. And for that reason, God gets more glory than he would have if everything was working out perfectly. Tony, for years, I watched my spiritual father, Bishop Bismarck, travel from nation to nation. Tony, I watched spect 
spectacular miracles happen. See, in, in this day and age where you do, you, you know, you, you heal somebody from a headache and, and, and it, <laughs> ah, there must be a YouTube video and an Instagram. See, our generation really needs to grow up. Am I saying there's no room for that? There is, but, but to, it's just crazy. Every miracle, every prophecy, there must be a video and a post. See, f first of all, that tells me, it's, first of all, it's narcissistic. It's, it's look at me, glory to me. And, and, and we all say things like, hey, well, you know, and we're just giving God to lie. Because we, we all watched you give the prophecy. We all watched you do the healing. So the fact that you need to remind us of every single one is telling us something. You need the attention. Secondly, Tony, it means that you're not doing that much. Because if it's natural, if it's every day, you wouldn't have the time to go on Instagram every day, on YouTube every day. Our fathers didn't always have to document every single move of God. Tony, I watched this man travel. There are places where I would go to. I would travel and be in the room with him. I wasn't supposed, I was, I'm in a country to preach. He's in the same country to preach. I finish my meeting and I'll go and say, I'm going to hang out with Papa. And I would see God's glory break out, Tony, with signs and wonders. And then Pops would leave that room where several people got healed and go home to a child who was born with a hole in his heart. And he would pray. I watched Pastor Chichi, intercessor of the highest caliber, go to places, Tony. And I mean, see, if, if, if you want to, oh Lord, if you, if you want to meet an intercessor, spend time with Pastor Chichi Bismarck. That woman is something else. Absolutely something else. And she would, Pray br openings of God over ministries or families, and many times over first families, pastors with issues in their homes. And then she would go back home to a child, Tony, who passed away at 27 years old, going on 28, and was born with a hole in his heart. Tony, and stewarded that contradiction for 28 years. There were times where they would have to cut short ministry trips because Bernie had a contradiction. Tony, we prayed, we fasted, we cried out to God. And last year, God decided to take him home. The immature mind would ask why and maybe even get upset. And one day while I was, and, and the truth is I have never said this to anybody before, Tony. Can I get some keys please? What I'm about to share, Shalom, I haven't even shared with them because when I heard it on the day he passed, that morning, God spoke to me and said, son, pray. I said, what am I praying for? Pray for this household. I said, why? Tony, listen. He said, Bernie is on his way. 
I said, what do you mean Bernie's on his way? He said, I am about to call my son home. I was like, really? He said, yes. I said, so why are you telling me? Can I pray again? He said, he says, not really. He's coming home today. And then he said, I have seen it fit to end the season of the contradiction. Not by healing him physically to parents who had seen healings like water, but to bring him home. And then he said, and I said, this is the part I haven't shared with them yet. So I, I just hope they don't watch this. Tony, but I feel the need to say it publicly. He said, on account of them having stewarded this contradiction correctly, my authority on their life is about to shift to a different dimension. The immature mind will say, oh, is God wicked that he needs to quote an unquote? No. Bear in mind, see, to God, Tony, whether we live or die is not really that important in the big scheme of things. On this side of eternity, your relationship with God doesn't change. Are you aware? That from a relationship perspective, God will still have access to you the day you die if you were in right relationship with him. And if you were in wrong relationship with him, he will still be separated from you after you die. So death doesn't change God's enjoyment or lack thereof of you. All it changes is his ability to gain glory from your life in time. That's why Paul says for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So from God's perspective, there's no loss whether you and I live or die. The loss is whether or not other human beings alive can benefit from our life. Mm. Sovereignty. And it takes dealings with God to arrive at that place. Mm. Remember Jesus on the cross? Eli, Eli, Labasa, why have you forsaken me? Why? Looking unto Jesus, the author, so this is the why. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And now they're... Jesus stood in Gethsemane saying, Abai, there's another way. Let this cup pass for me. And God says, well, there's not. He then says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Now, you think God could not in his sovereignty have decided to bring salvation a different way? But he's God. And in his sovereignty, he crafted a scenario where his son would have to submit his... Jesus told Peter, saying, are you aware? that I can call 12 legions of angels now. John chapter 10, he says, I have received this command of my father that I can lay down my life at, and, and at any point pick it back up. He's saying, Peter, see, relax. Understand this. I'm not a victim here. I'm a willing participant with the will of God for his glory. 
And Jesus asking that question in Gethsemane proves that even the Son of God did not intellectually understand the reason for this. So even Jesus came to a point where he says, this doesn't make sense. Why do I have to die? And God didn't, God didn't explain. God didn't say, well, son, remember, you know, before you were Jesus, you were the word. Remember, we designed salvation. No. He simply said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And listen, the Bible says an angel came and strengthened him. Tony, the same angel who came to strengthen him. Remember, one angel killed 185,000 Midianites. Couldn't the same angel have saved him from the Pharisees and Pharisees? So, so if God could deploy an angel to strengthen him, why couldn't he deploy that angel to protect him from what he was going through? Why? Because in the sovereignty of God, this was part of the calculus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. And Tony, I have learned in my small life. See, Tony, I'm not, I'm, no, I'm not as old as you, am I? But, but I've walked with God a little bit. I'll be 33 years old in God next year. Now, I think anything you've done for 33 years, you deserve to say something about, right? And I found out, Tony, that many times, the biggest part of the contradiction is not the private pain. It's the public shame. It's not just what you're going through, Tony. It's the fact that everybody is watching you go through it. And everybody is making up their mind. It's the fact that people are drawing conclusions. The Bible says he despised, he endured the cross and despised the shame. It wasn't just the nails in his hands. It wasn't just a spear in his side. It was watching his mother cry. It was hearing people say, physician, heal thyself. And many of us fight this agenda, Tony, not because of the actual issue, but because of the component called shame. Who am I talking to, somebody? Anybody going to be honest with me? That it would be okay, Tony, being single into your 40s if your mother and your friends didn't keep asking you, where's your boyfriend, where's your husband, I need grandchildren. Hear me, somebody. Tony, it would be okay laboring in God for 30 years in ministry and having a very tiny flock to show for it. If other people didn't look at you and wonder if you're so anointed, why is your ministry... It would be okay being married for 17 years. Well, not okay, but it would be manageable being married for 17 years with no child if you didn't have to look at people around you and know that they were whispering behind your back. I'm almost done. Let's go. It's a Wednesday. It's a quorum. So we're going to nine o'clock today. I, 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 are you still with me or do you want me to stop here? I can close it here and pray. But, but can we go just a little bit deeper? I, 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 I sense a break in the atmosphere for someone's destiny tonight. So they, they escaped the edge of the sword. And out of weakness, they were made strong. Tony. So there is a component in the exploits of faith for weakness. In essence, there is a kind of strength that if God wants to bring out of your life, he must move you through the valley called weakness. 
out of weakness out of weakness the book of romans says puts it this way it says that our light affliction is working listen not for us in us a far more eternal exceeding weight of glory so when pastor Fola came yesterday and spoke about how god wants glory tony there are dimensions of glory god cannot get outside of the economy of a certain kind of affliction that Paul calls light. And, and, and if you know Paul, you understand from his other writings that what he calls light afflictions are being left for dead, being stoned, being beaten 39 times, being beaten with 39 lashes five times each, wrestling with beasts at Ephesus, in fastings often, in shipwreck, left for dead. That is Paul's definition of light affliction. Light. That's Paul's definition of light work. Tony, but you and I, and I say me too, because the days where, see, I told you, Tony, I'm not, I'm not always the super aligned man that you might think I am. The difference is I take my misalignment to God in private. There's days where I'm like, Lord, I don't get it. I say, God, this doesn't make sense. There's days where I'm upset, I'm angry. I'm, I, does that make sense? Uh, I don't know. There was a time, Tony, recently, there was a time God and I were talking about something and I shouted at him. I had to compose myself. And, and, and he, he was explaining and I, and, I, and I said, but Lord, it happened in public. That's what I told him. I said, Lord, it happened in public. And I began to cry. I said, Lord, you, it, it wasn't enough for you to put me through that. I said, but the whole world was watching in that season of my life. And everybody saw me at my worst. Everybody saw me in pain. I was twisted. And, and he said, well, that was not much compared to what happened to my son. Jesus was on the cross, Tony, and the whole world was making fun of him. And thank God for Mel Gibson, but there was no towel. I've been saying that for years, remember? For years that whatever you see in passion of the christ remove the towel so he wasn't just on the cross he was naked as they say in the states but naked he was in full view and everybody saw him high and see see Tony, be careful when you pray for elevation sometimes uh -huh. elevation doesn't always come the way you want if I be lifted up above the earth, I'll draw men to me. But the Bible, didn't, the Old Testament didn't add, if I be lifted up naked and beaten above the earth. So Jesus' the act of his elevation was actually a position of shame in its infancy. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness, they were made strong. Listen, then they waxed valiant in fight. Mm -hmm. Remember Isaiah 58? Every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and blood. But this one shall be with burning. This battle requires a pit stop called weakness. They turn to flight the army, the armies of strangers. That's what the word aliens there means. People from other nations. 35. Women receive their dead raised to life again. Notice now, Tony, notice the notice that the language has changed. It started off by saying they stopped the mouth of lions. On this other side, it says they rece women received their dead raised to life. In essence, these people have gone from seeing it as their prerogative to do. To as their privilege to be done through. 
these men and women have now gone from I stopped the mouth of a lion to through me God gave back through me God gave back a woman her dead colon can you see that colon there this is a very deep colon colon Others were tortured, Tony. Not accepting deliverance. The same set of people who could stop the mouth of lions uh, and raise the dead. Some of them. Are you aware how all, each of the disciples died? John was the only one who died a natural death. And that was after being fried in boiling oil and dumped on the island of Patmos to die. By the time John wrote the book of Revelation, he had been fried alive in oil, suffering third degree burns, and exiled on the island of Patmos, a place of wild animals, left for dead. And it was there the Bible says that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That's where he wrote the book of Revelation. Not accepting deliverance, meaning it was within their power to be delivered that they might opt innocent god see tony god instructed these people i know you have reached a see tony there are levels you get to with god where there is nothing satan can do against you without your permission in god where to suffer some things god will need your permission to suffer them that somehow his agenda can be brought to bear Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, bond, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, sawn asunder, were tempted with, or were tempted, sorry, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. Hello, Elijah and John the Baptist. Being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Verse 38 of whom the world was not worthy. So you look at this kind of person and you say they're not deep, they're not anointed, they're not gifted. And God says, you don't get it. The world is not worthy of them. Oh, by the way, I forgot to say earlier on that if you haven't hit the like on the video, now would be a good time to do it. So YouTube can send it to as many people as need to see it. If you haven't subscribed, do so now. Share the video on the link. These are the ways that the algorithm of YouTube multiplies the evangelistic effect Jesus Jesus. Tony says the world was not worthy. This is how, in God's mind, you graduate. This is how you become a man of whom the world is not worthy. Not by the exploits of what you can do, but by the surrender and alignment of what you're willing to permit for God's glory to be accomplished. Remember, I told you there were three phases out of my belly. Remember I told you were three phases? Actually, sounds of revival. Let me show you those three phases 
in the language of the Bible. I've described them in my language. Now let me show you them in the language of the Bible. Come to me, come with me to 1 John chapter 2. If you're a preacher watching tonight, I, 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 I welcome you and I'm grateful. But please, can you let the people know in the comment section that I'm not preaching heresy? You know, Pastor Fala, if you're still here, sir, please let them know <laughs> that this is not... Um, John chapter, or first John chapter 2. Let's look at this, the same seasons from the perspective of the scripture. Aina Akebo. First John chapter 2. Let's go to verse, let's see now. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me land this plane. <clears throat> verse 12. 1 John chapter 2 from verse 12. Listen. I write to you, little children. Don't say little children. Say phase one. Because your sins are forgiven you Listen, for his namesake. Meaning, there's no rest. You didn't have any responsibility in that. And of course, you understand if you understand scripture that the concept of your sins being forgiven, Tony, is what guarantees you salvation and new covenant realities. In essence, you have access to a different dimension for his namesake. I'm going to jump. The next stage, next sentence for now. Listen. Let's go to verse 13b. I write unto you young men. Meaning, the next stage, stage two, right? Because you have overcome the wicked one. In essence, this is the phase, Tony, I described of exercising spiritual authority. Where you realize, wow, I can put a good licking on Satan. I can wield the power of God and see outcomes. You have overcome the wicked one. But then look at the middle one. I write unto you fathers because you have known him. Someone say known him. Let's look at that word known. You will recognize it. It's the word kinosko. You have had intimate acquaintance you have experienced him you've had spiritual intercourse with him that is what from the beginning meaning listen tony you've entered a dimension in your walk with god where you can connect eternity past and future and understand that your affairs are a small dot on the continuum of god's eternal plan you, you've not known him as your God. You've known him as the eternal God. And you now understand, Tony, that that God has far more on his mind than just your affairs. He has your affairs on his mind, but your affairs are within the continuum of his eternal agenda. 
in essence you can walk with god outside the confines of your own small affairs these are the people god calls fathers then he writes he says again now not so notice he he starts with writing to children he ends with writing to fathers then he no so he starts writing to children then he goes to the end so he starts with the beginning children he goes to the end fathers and he comes back to the middle for young men because tony he's trying to ground their understanding of their authority in overcoming the enemy within the continuum of starting from being a child and ending up with God's eternal plan. In essence, Tony, if you function as a young man without your eyes set on the destination of being a father, you will abuse the economy of God's authority and ability. In essence, he's saying the entire concept of being able to overcome the wicked one should be grounded in the continuum. Ishayatoma of knowing him. In essence, your pl- your destination, Tony, should be to know him. Paul says that I may know him. Listen, and the power of his resurrection. In essence, if I know the power of his resurrection, divorced from knowing him, there'll be trouble. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, I want to know him, chapter 2, sorry, and the power of his resurrection. Listen, he then says, in the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable to his death. In essence, you will understand if you are to know him, Tony, if you are to know him correctly, you will make room, not just for the power of his resurrection, but for the fellowship of his suffering that you may be conformed to his death. Then Paul, Paul, uh, so not Paul, John decides that once is not enough. So he repeats himself, but he gives more, 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 more detail this time. He then says again, I write unto you little children because you have known who? No. Look at verse 13. You have known who? Verse 13, 14, sorry. No, no, yes, 13, sorry, the end of verse 13. The second time I write, the father. So, little children know who? The father. Tony, okay, those of you online, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Do you understand what that means? I want to give you a second. Somebody type in the comment section if if you can guess where I'm going with this. Remember, who do little children know? Who do they know? Remember the first time he says, little children, I write to you because your sins are forgiven. In essence, that's step one. Step one as a little child is, oh boy, my sins are forgiven. In essence, new creation has come. There is an entire economy of possibilities open to me now that I did nothing for other than receive by faith. So Tony, if you are if you are a, a, a hyper grace merchant, you're a child. If all, you ref- if all you insist on focusing on is what God has done for you and your rights in him, you're a child. It's milk. 
And if you build an entire gospel on it, you will build a kingdom of imbecilic infants. Not disciples. But Tony, this is where I'm going. Little children know who? The father. So in essence, Tony, the entire... See, listen, listen. Ah, help me, Holy Spirit. Israel, calm down, calm down. Let your soul be patient. Israel, let your soul be patient. I, Lord, I, I, I... Ooh, patience in my soul. Somebody needs to get... I, I must discharge this. Hear me. Hear me. It means, Tony, that the entire curriculum of the Father is discharged in the class called children. There is nothing to know about the Father outside the curriculum of little children. Listen to me. The entirety of the curriculum of the Father is to be taught in the class called little children. Tony, it means the Lord's Prayer is where I was going. Is designed for... That's why when the disciples said... This is what I've been saying for years. The Lord's Prayer is not the model prayer. It's the model prayer for children. Our Father. That's a child's prayer. Who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom comes. A child has to pray that because it is not natural. It is not, it is not germane to the reality of a child that this father is in a different dimension. And that is so the child has to pray. Let your kingdom come. It, it's an act of their will, of their conscious will to say, please, because I am so used to things being done my way. I have to arrest myself to say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Then notice the child goes straight. What's the first thing he asks for? Give me this day my daily bread. And deliver me from what? Or, or forgive my trespasses. And deliver me from what? Temptation. For thine is... The, that's a child's prayer. And it's beautiful as a child's prayer. Oh yeah. The same Jesus gets to Gethsemane and he prays the prayer of a young man. What's the prayer of a young man? Father, if there's any other way, nevertheless, not thy will, but mine be done. That's a different kind of prayer. And listen, the Bible says Jesus prayed it three times for an hour each. When you hear mature people praying, Tony, a man prayed for six hours, you can find out that there was nothing in those six hours of daily bread. For, see, for three hours, his prayer was, let your will be done. Let your will be done. And then on the cross, he prays the prayer. The first dimension of being a father What's the prayer? It is finished. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. That's how fathers pray. And I don't mean for death. It means, Lord, you can use 
the Ruach in me any way you want. My life is poured out as a drink offering. I am at your disposal to live is Christ. To die is gain. I have no more agenda other than ah! Like he said, this is my assignment now. To do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work, Jesus said. <laughs> See, this is maturity. So the second time he says, children, you've known the father. Congratulations. You know the father. Who is the father? The one who loves you and disciplines you and blesses you and provides for you. The Lord's prayer is a summary of the curriculum of the father. He's your father. He's in heaven. He must be worshipped. He'll give you daily bread. He'll meet your needs. He'll forgive your transgressions. He'll deliver you from evil. His is the kingdom and the glory. That's the summary of the curriculum of the father. And it's for little children. He then says again, listen. I write unto you fathers. And he does not change the word to the fathers. Because all there is as a father to is to be intimate with him that is from the beginning. But then he then writes to the young men again and he explains how they overcame the wicked one. He says, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. Tony, in essence, the entirety of the curriculum that we've dealt with for the last two years, and that's why I'm bringing this up today. All I've been teaching you for two years in this house is the young men curriculum. Because we're about, to, it is written, was the young men's curriculum. We're about to step into another trifecta, another trimester. And in this curriculum, we now have the word of God abiding in us. We now know that we can overcome the wicked one, Tony. But now we must know him that is from the beginning. This is what I was talking about when I reached Revelation chapter 1 three months ago and I paused. When John looked back, the Bible says, heard a voice and saw Jesus as the one who holds the, the, the star, the seven stars, and dwells among the seven candlesticks. In essence, this is not your personal savior anymore. This is not the guy who is worried about you. You've moved from his office as your personal Messiah to his eternal office as the eternal administrator of the systems and dealings of God. And in that economy, Tony, there are decisions he can make that are not primarily beneficial to you, that he expects you to cooperate with because you have a wider perspective of what his glory requires in that moment.
Are you hearing me, somebody? Tony, in this economy, hear me. You can have money and not be permitted to spend it. You can have influence and not be permitted to use it. You can have power and not be permitted to wield it. This is an economy of divine meekness. It is at this level that a woman can offer herself to you because God used you to work a miracle in the life of her family and God can trust you to say no. That as Elisha, you can heal Naaman and he comes with money and you say no. Why? Because God will not be glorified. Naaman will say he bought, Naaman will say his money bought the miracle from the God. See, look at how, hey, Mala. Naaman came haughty. Elisha says, go wash in a dirty river. Naaman says, is it not, Abana, I mean, are these not better rivers in Syria? He eventually goes. The healing makes him humble. He comes back. He says, Elisha, I want to compensate you. Elisha told Gehazi, he didn't say it was wrong for you to collect the money. He says, is this the time? Meaning, the issue is not with being blessed as a man of God. This particular case is not the time for blessing. Why? Notice when Elisha turned Naaman's request for payment down. It was then that Naaman said, can I get sand from Israel? To go and worship my your God in my land. In essence, there was something about his money being rejected that increased his value for the God that had healed him. In essence, if Elisha had collected that money, Naaman would not have made that request. He would have seen it as a transaction. And so Elisha was prepared to be defrauded of the financial benefit that was due to him so that a man would accurately perceive the greatness of God because he had known him that was from the beginning. It is at this place that God can say to Paul when Paul says, there's a thorn in my flesh. Paul said, I pray three times. And God's response was, my grace is sufficient. Stewarding contradiction. I'm almost done. If you stuck around until now, I'm grateful. Kulavadi Mahati. Eshabahadiya. Hmm. Where do I go? I've only got eight minutes. Let's go back to, to Hebrews. Tony, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves. 
And these all having obtained a good report through faith. Tony, having obtained a good report through faith, they still did not obtain the promise. But notice, they obtained a good report. Verse 40 then says, God having provided some better thing for us, that without us they should not be made perfect. But perfect means complete. In essence, our job is to finish this relay. And then the first verse of chapter 12 says, Wherefore, seeing that we are compassed with so great a cloud, in essence, Tony, the witnesses are the people who started the race the way I have just described. And they're now watching and they're asking us to lay aside every weight. Tony, are you aware that the word glory means weight? To lay aside every glory is what they're saying. Now, I know on some level, yes, weight could be, and, and I've taught this before, habits, issues, encumbrances, but at, in essence, sin there means something that you do that's wrong. Weight means something that's not necessarily wrong, but will weigh you down. In essence, Tony, glory. Wealth, stature, position, authority, preference. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy them it means lay aside your right to them to where you are not beholden to them if heaven should see it fit to strip you of them for a season. Lay us, in essence, no glory, in the words of Theophilus, no glory in this world. <laughs> no greatness here for me. Lay aside every glory. Anything that is a weight is a type of glory. Even if it's a quote-unquote negative glory. Something of perceived value. Of perceived splendor that will slow you down in your march towards divine destiny and run the Bible says run someone say run and run run what the race set before you In essence, Tony, you don't set your own journey. You accept your lane. You surrender your authority to his sovereignty. Tony, if my lane is different from yours, bless God. If your lane is wealth and fame and mine is human obscurity, Bless God. 
as long as it is my lane. So at this level, the mature Christian doesn't jump towards binding Satan every time. He inquires, is this you or the devil? If it is the devil, I use my authority. But if I sense and I discern the dealings of heaven, asking me to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I run with joy that race that has been set before me. I run with patience. Someone say patience. That word patience in the Greek means long suffering. I acknowledge, Tony, that not everything on my way is an attack of hell. That heaven and the Samaliata, that the sovereign one has the authority to prescribe a race that is not perfect, to prescribe a race that is not what I would have preferred. I'm going to strip myself of my human glory. My right as a son of God. To conform to a path that heaven's overall agenda will be best served through, Tony. It is for this reason the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Can I, can I get the, the case for this? Who for the joy set before him endured the cross on the table there and despised the shame. And now, as a result of that, therefore, has a name, someone say a name, an authority, a place being given unto him above every other name, that at the mention of that name, Tony, Jesus' name, Jesus' stature in heaven is a byproduct, Tony, is a byproduct of him having surrendered to this process. Well, who am I talking to? Can you guys still hear me? I'm not sure if there's anything wrong with the sound. Let me know in the comment section if you can still hear me. Because I can't hear myself. Tony, this is how men gain stature. In essence, Jesus' stature was as a result was as a result of him having surrendered through this process. So his name carries weight because he went through this process. If your name will carry weight in the spirit, you will go through the process. If, if you will be given a name, now he has the name above all names, but if you will be given a name above some other names, in essence, he is the most high, 
because there are other ones who are also high. Does that make sense? He's the most high because there are others who are high. So Tony, if you will ascend the ladder of divine stature, you will move from independence to surrender. You will move from being a young man in the spirit who can wrestle with the enemy into being a father who haven't defeated the enemy knows him who is from the beginning and can surrender to the dealings of God that his glory may be made manifest. Our generation does not lack young men. It lacks fathers. And those of us who God is trying to train to be fathers are circumventing the purpose because we keep enforcing our rights as young men. Someone lift up your voice. Let's pray today. Let's pray. Uh, you know, I, I know it's past nine, but we need to pray. Can we pray? Can you give me five, ten minutes maximum? Lift up your voice and begin to pray somebody. Open your mouth. Man Zigede boria katabrinia. Zebro kunanda brakoko sikataba. Zebede, come lift your voice, lift your voice. Ratoporonde skileboronta pada. Rakataporekete mantabadi. Zebreto riekete bratonia. Zebede turieketeba. Salaponante beleketailahada. Zebre kokotika. Zibele kwata. Zibele kwata tamano kosa papa. Rekete baria toniana naman telebele lalahada. Jalebo rande kelemon sapalandieke. I want us to pray, get so many prayers tonight. Shakure kanan sabariatela. Get so many prayers tonight. Say, Lord, I yield. I eat. Shanamuria kete pala. Mailele, Mailele leti, Kalianaman Saladoria, Ale, Shekeboria Talabaka, Econine Redi, Shalamunta Labroco Cocoriat, Zileboroni Ekeleba Suriete, Jamamamaye. Ileboria dela Saconaman telebosa Gileboro Coria Taba Zabodia Conenemetia Rekeneman Sapala Latia Rataiano Seketepa Aina no Sekele Ayut Lord Ayut Lord Ayut Kalaboriata Ishana Mandoria. Listen, Tony. A few years ago, I looked up the word elder in the book of Revelation. Tony, I thought, I used to think that the elders were a class of angels. 
Let's go to the book of Revelation chapter 4. I need to, Lord, help me. Help me, help me. Revelation chapter 4. Let me show you these elders. Revelation 4. And round about the throne, the Bible says, there were four and twenty seats. Somebody say four and twenty seats. They were what? Someone say seats. Remember, it is written, what does that mean? These are senators in Zion, remember? These are Zionistic or, or divine parliamentarians. That's your first clue. They're either human beings or they're members of the unseen realm who function in the category of the Kedushim. But let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. He then says, they were clothed in white. Remember the church in Sardis? Yeah, some of you in Sardis who have kept your garments white and they will walk with me and they had on their heads crowns of gold tony any entity you see with a crown is most likely a human being who has passed through a process the bible talks about certain crowns okay now let's keep going oh rabakatidi the four twenty others fall down before him that sat on throne verse 10 and they worship him that live forever. And they cast their crowns. Someone say cast their crowns. In essence, they can take their authority and lay it before him. Saying, thou art worthy, O God, to receive glory. These are men. Or these are they're men, but I'll show you that in a second. But for now, just know they're entities who know how to divest themselves of stature for his glory. Someone say for his glory. Someone say for his glory. Okay. Now, uh, one second. Where? I'm looking for something. I believe I'm looking for Revelation chapter 5. Let me see. Ayana Mahadi. One second, one second. 
Help me, Holy Spirit. My brain is. Somebody help me out. I'm looking for the scripture. I believe it's Revelation chapter 5, but I can't see it here. Where one of the elders told John that I am one of you. Oh, do help me, help me, help me, Holy Spirit, help me. Let me find this. I believe it was Gen- Revelation chapter 5, but I. I mm. Is it 5 5? Let me see. Because for some reason, I'm not seeing it with my eyes. Maybe because I'm in a rush. No, 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 no. That's not, it's not 5 5. Let me see. Revelation, help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, help me, help me. We need to pray. Help me. Help me, help me. Help me. Let me see. Okay, I, for some reason, my... You know, let's just put, put our sounds, sounds of revival. Let's go back there. There's a scripture I'm looking for for some reason I can't find it. But one of the elders in Revelation introduces himself to John. And he basically says, I am one of you who has suffered and arrived here, or arrived here having suffered and given my life paraphrase for the testimony of Jesus. In essence, these men or these entities, these 24 elders, are actually human beings. There are men who've lived and died and have arrived. If somebody can find that scripture for me, just please put it. Is it 5-5? Five, five? Is it 5-5? Five, five? Let me go back there again because I can't see. Am I, is it that I'm not seeing it because I'm in a rush, Revelations? I, I, I believed it was in chapter 5, but I can't find it with my eyes. Let me see. And one of the others said unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah has... No, that's not it. Ah, okay. So, yeah. So the elder is saying, listen, when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the 24 elders fell down before the Lord, having every one of them orders and they sang a new song saying thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou was listen for thou was slain listen and has redeemed us someone say us now so the, the, the elder says us meaning he's one of them to god by thy blood out of every kindred tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests, listen, and we shall reign on the earth. Who is saying this, Tony? The elders. So you see, they are obviously human beings. You redeemed us. You've made us kings and priests. And when your kingdom comes, we will reign on the earth, not in heaven. So this is a kedar, Tony, of human who has reached a place of spiritual stature. The word elder literally means senior one. 
It's not a race of angels. These are human beings. Anthony, the Bible says, as we saw, that they cast their crowns. Right? And they say, Worthy is the Lamb, worthy to receive glory and honor. Innocent. They have reached the place where their stature is simply now a tool for God to get glory. Not a tool for their aggrandizement. Not a tool for them to boast and say, if I curse you, you're cursed. No. Not a tool for them to say, I'm in charge. No. They have come to a place where they realize that everything God has placed within their jurisdiction and authority is simply a tool with which he can get glory. This is the Kedar of fathers. Natalia, Revelation 19. Let me see. Verse 10. Aha! Thank you, Natalia. She got it. She remembered. Yeah, yeah, sure you are. Now listen. Revelation chapter 19. There's an entity showing John this vision, right? And in verse 10, John says, I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren. Someone say brethren. That have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus. In essence, this is a human being. It's a human being. It is a human being. Most likely one of the human beings, either by name or in generic nature, the writer of Hebrews was referring to in chapter 13, chapter 11 of Hebrews. This is the next rung on the ladder for us. Because kingdom culture, hear me. God is about to move us into a place of such supreme prominence, authority, and gravity and stature. That if we don't know him that is from the beginning, we will make a shipwreck. Monica, 1 Peter 5. I, who am an elder myself, appeal to the church elders among you. I am a witness of Christ's suffering, and I will share in the glory that will be revealed. There is a cadre of man and woman that God is trying to raise in our days, with whom he is comfortable, Tony, giving a cadre of authority, knowing that all that glory that will ensue will return to him. This is what we're going to do tonight. If you want to give right now, the details will be on your screen. Do so as God leads you. But we're going to pray and say, Lord, in this season, work in me and work on me to become this kind of man or woman. Whenever you think you've done business with God, you can leave. Whenever you believe you and God have finished your wrestling match. Oh, Pastor Fuller says, uh, Revelation, let's see. Pastor Fuller says, Revelation chapter 14. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Thank you, sir. That's a very, very good one. 
Let's go there. Revelation 14 from verse 7. The angel said with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him. Why? The hour of his judgment is come. Listen, the Bible says, Tony, judgment will begin at the house of God. Judgment is not punishment. No. Judgment is only punishment for half the people being judged. Judgment is actually reward for the other half. Judgment means separation and consequence for reward or punishment. Jud hour of judgment is come. Worship him that made heaven and earth, the seas, and the fountains of waters. Fear him and give him glory. Why? The season of his recompense has come. Tony, it is time for men to shine as others dim. Separation has come. And the primary criteria is this. Tony, God is not rewarding us for what we did in his name. He's rewarding us for the glory he got from what we did in his name. So he tells those people, you heal the sick, you cast out demons, depart from me. He says, you were working iniquity. Why? I never knew you. You did great things. I never got glory. You got glory. I didn't. In essence, there was no statement about my greatness. On the flip side, Tony, there will be people who said, who cannot say that I healed the sick. But God will say, oh, I still got glory. God, what do you mean? Oh, I got glory from your life. You obeyed me, and in your contradiction, I extracted maximum glory. Welcome, thou good and faithful servant, into the joy of the Lord. Let's pray. Say, Lord, I want to be a father. Open your mouth and pray. Male or female? Lord, I want to be a father. Come on, open your mouth, somebody. Pray, somebody, pray. Pray, pray, pray. Yesuna nani nene moroko Eko raba sekete Ijenondo roboko bobobo Sanani koroko toboria katata Ekana yetolia Yenene mo shade adoli Cry out to the Lord. Say, Lord, I want to be a father. I want to be a father. I want to know him who is from the beginning. I want to be trusted 
with your eternal plan. I want to move from authority to submission. Come on, somebody, lift your voice. Say, Lord, I surrender to the dealings of Zion. The dealings of contradiction. The dealings that inflict pain on my flesh. Now I understand. Now I yield. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Lord, I understand there's more to this than me. Give me the grace when necessary to steward contradiction. To find my place in your eternal agenda in spite of what it afflicts on my flesh. And having arrived, Lord, at the mountaintops of authority and significance, to be able, Lord, to only deploy what I have power for in the directions that maximize your glory. In Indiana. Koraba Koriaba. Shekonana no 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 besiki. Akoraba tenende. Help me. Cry out to him, somebody. Say, Lord, help me. Help me, Jesus. Help me. Help me. Maika Popo. And that in the season of my rising only you get glory. That 
in the days of my power, in the days when my people are willing, the brightness of the morning will only be ascribed to you. the fruit of my life would be all glory, honor and praise, power and might accrue to you. This is my cry. This is my cry, Lord. Help me. For you are worthy to receive all glory. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Eshata maniana no mosakati paleatieta. Celebrenento. Ikata bariaturiana namasante rikete. Surinaman diriye koshna hati pahaliyata. Urukumiende skuta palitaila. Aikotononon derebeketi. Ratorobo sikete beleketon darabahatei. Zibelebele belendorobo kodiyadarabashariyata. Zebelekerun darabakariyete laborakatun darabasantarabahadi. Urrekete beleketun darabasante yaka. Ile breketo ladia. Zivre dombra ashkite beliki nunyanesa pronenta arukiaba arukiaba sunai katabaliate celebrantos kapa alume kwetepia aiko 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 kalumiena savididi I, see, I know it's already 9.30, but I just, I just can't, I can't let this go. Tony, I was talking to God this morning and he said something to me. Um, I, was, I, was, I was reasoning with him about something and he said, he said, son, my son was born in a manger. And it began to hit me that Jesus' entire life was a manifestation of this word. He was a man God could trust with contradiction. From start to finish. The very act of his incarnation meant that he had to step out of eternity and glory. And humble himself in the fashion of a man. Born in a manger, died on a cross. No wife, no children. No property of his own. Like Paul said about the apostles. Making many rich. Owning nothing. While controlling everything. That's why the rich young ruler, when Jesus said, sell your goods and follow me, that's why he went away in tears. He, not, he understood what Jesus meant. He meant you will never have the right to own anything again. You'll be wealthy, but you'll own nothing. Nothing, necessarily, you will not have jurisdiction for your own willful control of anything of benefit. Finance, significance, anything. 
your, your life will be a drink offering. Bible says Abraham dwelt in tents all the days of his sojourn in Canaan. In tents. In tents. There's a generation that will dwell in tents in the spirit that the glory of God may be manifest. And we will be part of that generation. So Lord, we ask for help on this venture as we ascend the hills of zion in this season help us ascend as fathers who know him that is from the beginning and not just as little children or even young men we give you glory we give you glory come on open your mouth and do business with the lord Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Ikata. Zebre turi kabadolia, zebonondia kapapati. Shedebedi, korana namandori ekebredi. We give you glory. We give you glory. Thank you for the grace to hold up a burden for you. To hold it up. In white. Shane Kopa. To hold it up in white. To be poured out as a drink offering. Take the praise. Take the glory and the honor. For it is in the precious name of your holy child we pray. Egadi Lamahasatela. Egadi, Egadi Abahati. Tonight we're going to leave you to flow out of the room when you and God do business. Remember that the last two days of this camp meeting, thank you, Pastor Fuller, for confirming the word of the Lord, are going to be spent in person here in the studio. Reverend Gideon Odoma is going to be with us on Tuesday and Wednesday, the 20th and 21st of December. Everybody, well, the first 80 people who register are invited the event bride page should be ready i'm told most likely by tomorrow uh, if you can get to the city of london near the area of hangar lane the details are on your screen please do so glory will be released that will be accrued completely to the lord and remember these are days of migration. They're days of journeying to God. Um, I just shared with you a little bit of my migration. Take time to do business with the Lord till He speaks and He pushes you in His agenda from glory to glory, from grace to grace, from strength to strength. 
Father, we thank you for tonight and the ministry of your word. Thank you for using weak flesh to accomplish divine glory. Unto you be honor and power now and forever. For we belong to you. Finish what you have started in us. That the nations may behold and see your glory. In the precious name of Jesus we pray. I'll be back tomorrow. Maybe to finish this. Maybe to finish Isaiah 58. On Friday my brother Apostle Femi Adun will be ministering. On Saturday, our mama, Reverend Celia, Apia J. Collins, will take the baton. On Sunday and Monday, my brother, Reverend Austin Opare, will be joining us from Nigeria. And then on Tuesday and Wednesday, in person, in the studio, my brother, Reverend Gideon Odoma, will take it home. Uh... God will finish with us and he will crown the year with his goodness. Be dismissed in the presence of the Lord and stay as long as you need to until the stream lands or the stream is over. Once we're done, once the stream ends, if you want to continue with the Lord, just move over to the 24-7 uh, prayer stream on the Prayer Culture Apostolic Hub channel. Some of you are watching on that channel right now, but if you're on the Kingdom Culture channel or any other platform, just go to YouTube, look for Prayer Culture Apostolic Hub and join that and you can carry on in the presence of the Lord. Again, if you haven't given, we encourage you to do so. Let the Lord lead you and direct you. I'll see you tomorrow by the grace and the mercies of the Lord.
Be 